The Hornets worked out the Thompson Twins Friday. Scoot Henderson supposedly on Sunday. Brandon Miller still to come on Tuesday. What does it all mean? We'll get to all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your pods. And as always, that includes YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. That's Doug Branson. Check out his work, his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. Listen to me on WFNZ Sports Radio 92.7 FM every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Scoot Sunday, I hope you observe. If you observe, we were celebrating it. Although it doesn't seem like the Hornets were celebrating it. If it happened, Doug, we don't have any evidence that Scoot Henderson worked out for the Hornets yesterday outside of reports that that is when he was scheduled to work out at the Spectrum Center. Are we sure that this thing happened or are they toying with us right now? Yeah, it's funny you used the word observed. Did anyone observe it? That's that's what I would like to know. If you did observe it and you have some footage of it, it's like a UFO at this point. Like if you have if you have footage of this event taking place, uh, please share it so we can confirm that it happened. Listen, Walker, I'm a simple man. You post a video of Scoot in a Hornets workout jersey, I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna retweet it. I'm going to get excited about it. And I think a lot of other fans would as well. Uh, just judging by the tweet that the Charlotte Hornets sent out that was a video of the workout that they did on uh, June 10th and sights and sounds from yesterday. And, and I'm just going to rapid fire read the replies here because this video <laughs> did not feature Scoot Henderson. It featured a lot <laughs> of interesting not. prospects, which I think we should talk about in the next segment. But I just want to read the replies here. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Post Scoot workout content. Post Scoot, little bro. We want today, which I assume that person wanted Scoot. Post Scoot, man. We want Scoot content. Scoot content, please. Post about Scoot workout. I'm begging. Scoot! Scoot? Don't care where is Scoot. Scoot? Poverty franchise. Post Scoot. Post Scoot. Post Scoot, bro. Where the hell is Scoot? Post and draft Scoot. Was he trending just based off of Angry Hornets fans? (laughs) He had to be trending. My favorite one, too, is there, there is one that does not include the name scoot and it comes from mooney on twitter fb question mark like is it on facebook <laughs> I guess, uh, mooney mooney just wanted to know if they also he's he cares about the reach that that this tweet is getting he wants to make sure it's on all the social channels yeah. but here's here's the thing on reach this tweet of the video of all these different prospects has 148 likes all the stuff that portland did when they posted uh, uh scoot's workout that's thousands of likes all mm-hmm. of this All of this is, to me, anti-fan. Not posting this workout. They're not going to post the Thompson Twin workout. They're probably not going to post the Brandon Miller workout. Like, this is not not national security, okay? These prospects are not weapons of mass destruction. I just don't understand the need for this secrecy. Um, It it is disturbingly anti-fan. And I think, you know, individually, if you take this event, not posting this workout video, I think it would be easy to say, well, this is not really that big of a deal. But I think it it represents one piece of an overall organizational, I would say, um, 
animo- not animosity, but like just aggressively anti-fan behavior, not involving fans in what this is an exciting moment for the Charlotte Hornets. They have the number two pick, which is essentially because we know Wimby's going to go number one. This is essentially the first pick of the draft. And, and instead of getting people excited about it, instead of introducing fans, because look, this is not about social media. This is about inviting the press in, having Nick Carboni, you know, do a seven minute song and dance on Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller on the 10 o'clock news to introduce all kinds of fans to these players to get them excited before draft night when they make that decision. I just don't understand it, Walker. Yeah, I, you know, I don't either, really. And I'm trying to make sense of it. I'm trying to look at the other side. The only other time, I mean, look, we had Orlando last year where they didn't want to be um, letting you know exactly who they were going to select number one. I don't remember what their workout videos included and did not include. I do know that they clearly were holding the number one overall pick close to the vest. I do know about Cleveland and the Cleveland Browns, that is. When you go to 2018 and you had a whole bunch of quarterbacks that were available, when it was John Dorsey was there, my point is that they were being so secretive that they had total control. Like they could just take whatever quarterback they wanted to, but we didn't know until hours before the draft, I guess the day of the Vegas odds started to go up towards one and you have total control. If you're the Hornets, you could want to trade back. There is some kind of sense-making there, I I guess. No, because because I I want to repeat, uh, Walker, real quick. I want to repeat the two franchises you just mentioned alongside the Charlotte Hornets, okay? The Orlando Magic and the Cleveland Browns. Right. That's that's all this is. This is small-time, short-term thinking. Hey, we're going to keep all this close to the vest. The fans be damned. That's what I'm saying. I really hope that this organization sells and that the new organization comes in and understands, hey, we've been playing small-time franchise PR here. Let's get out and really engage the fans. And let, and I would speak directly at this point to season ticket holders. If you listen to the show, if you watch the show and you're a season ticket holder, I would Rally let the franchise group. know now how you feel, not just about this, but about some other things that they've done over the years that have been anti-fan. And I would also say this, if they do sell, that new organization that takes over, whatever that group looks like, is going to engage the fans. They're going to want it. They're going to do town halls. They're going to have these kinds of events, and especially season ticket holders. That's who they care about because they're paying the big money. So I would let them know too, hey, all of this stuff about, well, here's what we can't do as a franchise. We can't go out there and score the big fish in free agency, telling us what we can't do, not posting these workout videos to get fans excited. Let them know. Let them know. The scoop video was the last straw for you. That was it. You just wanted your damn scoop video. They pushed me. They pushed me too far. They pushed me over the edge. I'm. I'm t- listen. I just want. Here's what I want from this franchise at this point. The people that are running it, Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan and everybody in the front office. Right. I would just like you to, as as long as you're driving the car, take care of it. Hands at ten and two. Don't wreck the car at this point. Don't do anything crazy in free agency that wrecks the books at this point. Take care of the franchise, and then I want you to take it to the dealership, turn it in, sell it, get your cash, and move on. And and let let somebody own this car that actually wants to, to put the pedal to the metal and drive it as fast as possible to the Eastern Conference Finals and to the NBA Finals. That's what I want. Yeah, the, the last point I would say is, you know, continuing back, if you like Domin Thompson enough, it might make sense that you think he's going to be the guy you trade back to four, you get a lot of assets from Houston or whatever, and then you decide to go that route. I don't want to do that. I'm trying to think about this from the Hornets perspective here, but you're right. This has been an organization that even if it's inadvertent, and I know you said it's aggressively against the fans and that might be, I don't think it's intentional. 
I do think that Charlotte does feel like they are finding some benefit while holding everything close to the vest, not revealing all of this information. I don't think that it's aggressively against the fans, but we've seen a decent amount of times, especially when Mitch Kupchak speaks to the media and tells you about how this is not a big market franchise and there's only so many paths to making the team better. There's only so many avenues that you can take. And I think that while that is anti-fan as well, it's not intentional. He's trying to keep it real. And this has been an organization that doesn't have great messaging with some of this stuff. And so you'd love to see the scoop video, just like Portland put out there. No, they don't have the leverage over the Hornets because the Hornets have the number two overall pick. But Portland put it out there. They hosted their media scrum. They had some videos posted because Scoot was taking questions up there with the Trailblazers. So, yeah, I mean, Portland was able to do it as well. Last thing. Just just one quick thing. This is why I say it's aggressive, because Mitch Kupchak was a general manager in Los Angeles. He, and and this organization wasn't born yesterday. <laughs> They're about to celebrate, for some reason, their 35th anniversary. Okay, this isn't what, the way it used to be, where it was a bunch of a bunch of guys that didn't uh, hadn't owned an NBA franchise before. Were all local folks that were you know Shin's buddies, and they were all kind of running into each other, not knowing how to deal with running an NBA franchise. Everybody that works for this franchise has been around the block. They understand what you can get away with in Los Angeles and New York and Chicago and Miami and what you can get away with in Charlotte. They know that they can get away with posting this video and and relatively there will be no there's going to be no media uproar. There's going to be, you know, fans will get upset and post a few things in the comments. Uh, But generally and, and the problem with that kind of thinking is. It doesn't. It only. It only keeps things where where it's where it is. You know, season ticket holders and fan interest. It keeps it right here, but it doesn't raise it. And so I hope the next the next people that own this franchise understand how to raise the bar. All right, and that is Doug's declaration to sell the team. The scoot video. That was the last straw. That that's the last one. <laughs> just, no video. Just, I'm a simple that's man. It. Just give me the scoot. <laughs> just give me the scoot. All right, couple more segments to go. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. It's not like they didn't post any workout video. It just didn't include Scoob, but it did include a couple of intriguing guys that could be there at 27 and definitely in that range where the Charlotte Hornets have four other picks between 27 and 41. We'll get to some of those guys and whether they intrigue us or not in the next segment of Locked On Hornets. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in whatever else needs, uh, what everyone else needs from you, I should say, and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched, thin, and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. More Locked On Hornets to come. This is Locked On Hornets. You know, Golden State spent almost a minuscule amount of time with zero of their starters out on the floor. They had at least one out there the entire time. four Hall of Famers. Yeah, they do. And so <laughs> you you just put them have, anywhere. You just have one out Stack there. Stack them up. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Doug, what if I told you that they did release a workout video and it did include a prospect from G League Ignite? You, you'd get excited yeah. on Sunday. G League Ignite. City Sissoko. Hey, you want to check that one out? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> we do have confirmation that he worked out on June 10th, 2023. At least this weekend. Not on Sunday, I guess, but he did work out this weekend. So City Sissoko, Antoine Davis from Detroit Mercy. <sighs> yeah, Yazian Gortman. That's what I'm rolling with. YNG Dreamers, OTE. Tanner Groves from Oklahoma, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana, Jaime Jaquez Jr. from UCLA. So there's actually three guys, I would say, that are the most prominent. City Sissoko, Trace Jackson Davis, Jaime Jaquez Jr. They were all included in a June 10th workout at the Spectrum Center. Any of those names mean anything to you, Doug? I really like Jaime Jaquez Jr. I mean, the more tape I watch on this guy, I'm super interested. Uh, you know, 6'7", forward. You can. He has a great form. I think people have some uh, qualms with his consistency from outside, but this guy's footwork. You can't have any qualms with that. His intensity that he, the intensity that he plays with, the physicality that he plays with. You know, I would say it's one. That's one big thing that's missing from this Hornets roster at this point. Guys that are willing to go in there and put body on body, and that's Jaime Jaquez. And, and I really hope – I don't think it's a 27 play, which is actually super cool to me because I think he should be in the bottom of this first round. Uh, but I think he will be available for one of those early second-round picks that the Hornets own. And and I really think they should look at Jaime Jaquez from UCLA. I love this guy. He's In fact, I'm just ready to say it right now. He gets one of my NBA draft roses. Congra congratulations, oh. Jaime Jaquez Jr. Take that rose. That escalated quickly. We went from, do any of these names intrigue you, to, yes, here's a rose. Please fall in love with me. That was insane. Um, but I like Jaime Jaquez enough. And we can go to the lack of athleticism. I think that's one of the problems with, with Jaime. Uh, you do look at him being able to pick his spots very well, being a great scorer. He is older. He is 22. You hope that he would be a good basketball That's player. That's why he's in the UCLA second round, 2-2, two -two, second round. Yeah, but also he's been good for quite a while at UCLA. So this is someone that I like. You you want to say something else about Hawkes? What do you well, have? Well, yeah, it's like not everybody is the most athletic person in the draft. Like there, if if you have things yeah, that complement your game, and, and that's why you look at the footwork. That's why you look at the number of tools that Jaime has to get open that he showcased at UCLA and you go, okay. And, and with the intensity that he plays with and you go, I think this guy could have a role. In fact, look, you know, Gordon Hayward, he's, he's on the way out here in Charlotte. They've got to find some, some, you know, replacement for him and, 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 and the tools that he brings to the roster. And I think Jaime could provide that. And, and, and he would be, you know, because he is 22, he would be more ready. I think, to compete for a spot in the rotation and give you a little bit of contribution if you were to have a few injuries. I like Hame a lot. I, I like City too, but I, I mm -hmm. just don't I, – I think they should look for in these second-round picks. And, and if they do pick at 27, which I don't think they will, but if they do, I think you really have to look for guys that can shoot it. And so, you know, I, I think City is not that player necessarily – so I would I would really want them to prioritize shooting. If you can find the three and D type, that's why I like Maxwell Lewis. That's why I like Omax Prosper, because I think they fit more neatly in that three and D category. Like I would love if obviously defense is a priority for this team. So they've got to look at that. But I'd love to find a guy who can also shoot it too. 
Well, if you think Gordon Hayward being gone is a reason to try to replace him, and we've always tagged him as a connector within that um, offense, City Sissoko, I think, is the better passer out of all three of these guys. And so if you have somebody that is as good a passer as Sissoko coming in with more athleticism than Hawkes, maybe not the shooting, does finish at the rim a lot better. I do think he's the best prospect here. He's probably the guy I like the most if he were to be available at 27. I don't know if he's going to be. I don't know. But I, I, he's the guy that I like. He, he could be. Um, and then Trace Jackson Davis is at least interesting enough worth talking about. He's a small dude down in the post post score 20 points per game really good at indiana there he's, we go he, now we figured it out now we figured out why you bring him up you love <laughs> indiana <time>. um <laughs> i don't yeah the thing is we're a purdue family it's not even that i'm a hoosier whatever guy. We're a purdue family. well my grandpa went to indiana but anyways uh trace jackson davis smart guy both ends of the floor if you're that small doug if you're like six eight six seven and you play primarily in the post and you are so left-hand dominant. I feel like he's not going to be creative enough to score in the NBA. If you just do not go to your right hand and you're that small, you do have good athleticism. You have good feel, but he doesn't even shoot outside. Like he is not going to be one that takes it from, from three point range. And so there are just a couple of things I think that will be limiting, especially when paired with his small size, it's going to make it really hard for him to transition to the next level. I know you and I have been super focused on the second overall pick, as we should be. It's it's mm -hmm. it's an important pick, and there are two players uh, that that are very different that it's fun to debate over. But I there are a lot of fun names and good ads that this team could make in the second round, even if they don't make that twenty seventh pick. There, there are a lot of names that they could add in that second round that I think have the potential. Uh, to be, you know, second round darlings that this, you know, Hornets franchise has made a habit of adding over the years, guys that you would consider instead of waiving them, you consider actually extending them and making them a part of the team. So a lot of names here, and I'm I'm super excited. I, I, <laughs> I don't typically get excited for the second round, but they have a couple of early picks and I think it could be an exciting second round. Well, I mean... You can get whoever you want if you're the Hornets in that range because you have so many picks. You have 27 through 41, and you have four picks in that range. So and Yeah, if you fall in love with a guy, you can package right. two of those together right. to move up one or two spots, which we know this Hornets team has been able to do. They did it for Bryce McGowan's. Yeah, and they've done it with Devontae Graham. You know, they've done it with a couple of guys where they'll trade up in the second round to go get someone that they really like. They have that opportunity here by far with four picks in that 29, 27, I should say, to 41 range. All right, one more segment to go. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I'm surprised we've avoided this topic for as long as we have, to be honest with you, Doug. But there have been some publications that will throw out content surrounding the idea of trading LaMelo Ball. Is it worth exploring oh whatsoever? That's why we saved it for the third segment to keep you around. We'll get to it in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's a fantasy sports website, fantasy app, I should say, that can you uh, that you can pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, and they offer projections on any sport you watch, including the WNBA in full force, the NBA Finals that's going down right now, Game 5 tonight, um, Game 6 tonight, I believe, sorry. 
Uh, so you'll see the NBA finals involved here, but not just basketball. You have football, you have soccer, you even have cricket. Go check it out for yourself. Just download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, they give you 100. If you deposit 50, they give you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. One more segment to go. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. Adam Silver had Ahmad Rashad up on stage and he used his phone to like body scan Ahmad Rashad. And then they like inserted a, like a digital version of Ahmad Rashad into the highlight. And wow. so I'm looking at this and going, just fix my league pass. I don't want to be in a highlight. I would just like to actually watch the highlight without my application logging me out, freezing, dropping all of the time. Fix my league pass before you insert me in the game, please and thank you. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, I'm surprised we we dodged it for as long as we did here, Doug. But, you know, here it is, the conversation surrounding trading LaMelo Ball. We've talked about this on WFNZ. There have been ideas. I know Bill Simmons. It's a perfect radio topic. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. It is. You it got is hours to fill. Top-notch radio topic. Bill Simmons has talked about it. Kevin O'Connor has talked about the idea of trading LaMelo Ball all if they draft Scoot Henderson. You wouldn't right. do this if you drafted Brandon Miller. But if they draft Scoot, then maybe you would trade LaMelo Ball, at least in their eyes. You've seen some of the ideas out there. You had some interesting thoughts on on just even this feeling, maybe even surrounding Hornets fans about the idea of trading LaMelo Ball. What, what have you made of all this? Yeah, I asked for this time to talk about this because I got a message from a sicko, and I won't name this sicko to protect this sicko because this <laughs> message you know. that I'm about to read that must is be so really sick is so devastatingly sick that mm-hmm. I don't even know. I, I feel a little bit or I taste a little bit of vomit in my mouth when I, when I first read this. So here we go. Uh, when you're a sicko, your brain goes to strange places. For your consideration, do you think trading the number two pick and LaMelo for San Antonio for number one is even? Do you have faith that Wimby has greater upside than LaMelo? Could you imagine LaMelo as a spur? There's so many questions there. Mm-hmm. But this is not a question of would this happen? Because I don't think anyone is thinking that it's at all possible to wrench Wimby away from the Spurs, even though Wimby only had eight points, by the way, in his uh, finals game uh, for the the Metropolitans, and they got blown out in the finals. So, you know, San Antonio, if you want, you know, if you're you're having some second thoughts, just let Charlotte know. Charlotte will be happy to take Wimby two overall. Uh, But... This is a sick question here. You know, would 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 you even entertain as a franchise trading LaMelo Ball for the opportunity to go get Wimby? No, I would not entertain it. I don't I'm not in the business of trading away young talent. No, I'm not in the business also of trading the best thing that's happened to the franchise in the second iteration of the franchise. No, thank you. I'm okay not giving that up for Jalen Brown right now. I like Jalen Brown. Dude is great all NBA player. So if you're a top 15 dude, it's worth the conversation for some people. I totally get it. I would be more willing to have that conversation trading the second overall pick than trading LaMelo. And by the way, I'm not interested in having the conversation of trading the second overall pick for somebody like Jalen Brown either. Pascal Siakam. No, thank you. 
uh, what what other stars could you put out there that that might be interesting? You know, we did have we're, we're going to talk about Jake Fisher audio because I talked with him on Friday on Wes and Walker. Me and Wes got a chance to to interview him, and Jake was discussing an idea about hey maybe you pursue Zion Williamson with all of the things going on. I did ask if there could be some kind of no Snapchat clause in that contract, <laughs> but if that was the case, maybe Zion is the type of star that you would go after. No, I don't want to trade LaMelo. Scoot and LaMelo, we've all talked about it. Not only is it an okay fit, I love the fit in the backcourt between both of these guys. It's the best thing. Can you imagine trading LaMelo? The only thing that's given this fan base real hope in the second iteration, the only thing, and then just saying, ah, oh, yeah, we'll take Jalen after that postseason performance and we'll give Jalen 50 million a year or we'll go after anybody else. No, I'm not interested. Not interested at all. Give me the young backcourt and let's see what happens in the future. I'd want to know Mountain Dew Claws. That's what I, <laughs> I would want. Well, he's he's away from the beignets. We know that. Uh, yeah. So um, I think a lot of this is rooted in in sicko anxiety in 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 having to have endured as many years of things going wrong especially with draft picks with things going wrong and they're starting to see the injuries pile up for LaMelo Ball and I think people are starting to be concerned in fact I know they are I got another tweet from another sicko uh, I'll name this one because uh, he tweeted me uh, and and added me and added you as well Rolf which is a longtime listener, a longtime uh, uh, watcher of this show, international fan, I believe, too. And it's funny, Twitter actually protected me from, from how sick this was by, like, <laughs> like, you know, when it says, like, sensitive content, if you have your filters on. Um, it, it blocked this image of uh, this note that he sent me here because it was sensitive. But here, I'll read it. Hi, guys, still listening to the show. Every day I hear you talking about the second overall pick, talking about who to take. I'm wondering, and I, right. I did not hear this remark yet, but everyone is talking about Scoot next to LaMelo, that fit. But when has LaMelo played injury-free for an entire season? You know, so the note goes on to, you know, express this idea that, hey, it wouldn't be a bad fit to put a guy who can take more of the ball-handling responsibilities for LaMelo because of the injuries, because you want to protect that player and and not put everything, put all of the offense on his shoulders. Yeah. There's there is a real anxiety, I think, among fans and Lamelo when you start talking about, you know, four to five ankle injuries over the course of a season, a wrist injury. He's still playing with that wrist. Like you, you still see him messing with it on the bench, messing with it in the game. He That's admitted yeah. he admitted that there were there were still issues with it. And so I th I think fans would not feel this way. If next season he comes out fully healthy, plays all 82 games, you know, reaches his all NBA potential, then fans will shut up about this. But until then, I think they have every right to feel anxious about this. Well, Doug, I don't remember if I gave this take to in the last show. I know I gave it on the last show that happened between me and David where my mic wasn't on. I know prove I it. said it then. So, so yeah, so I'm going to try to prove it now. Um, but the whole that's a great point, right? We've talked about the replacement. If LaMelo is injured, then Scoot could be the primary ball handler. We've talked about that that reason as to why you should draft Scoot. We've talked about the fit between both of these guys. That's another good point. Even, even if you put those guys on the backcourt, then it would be great to have Scoot handle some of that responsibility because of the injury history, because he does mess with the wrist, whatever. Here's my thing. When people discuss the basketball being in Scoot's hands instead of LaMelo's, the same thing's going to happen with Brandon Miller in a lot of situations. 
And so if you are drafting Brandon Miller at number two, it is because you believe in his ability to create opportunities for himself and others. And as a secondary playmaker, but also as a guy that you want to get, if you think Jason Tatum is his ceiling, then Jason Tatum runs ISO ball. And that means that the basketball is not going to be in LaMelo's hands. And so when we do this whole, we need the basketball in LaMelo's hands as much as possible. Okay. Just bring that same energy when they draft Brandon Miller too. Like, look, no, not as much. Is it, is it just the backcourt that you're thinking the dribbles going to the half court line that matters and then running your half court set to where then you pass it in a half court set guys coming off of screens. Like you can run LaMelo off a screen. If Scoot Henderson brings the ball up the floor, he can dribble around whatever is set for him. And then he can start to operate in that half court as well. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I haven't seen anybody bring that up when Brandon Miller's on the team and you draft him second, you draft him because of his ceiling to be a creator for others, which means he's going to have the basketball in his hands as well. So it doesn't make any sense to me. The, the Hornets need more creativity on this roster. They don't have all of it with LaMelo doing all of the work. Like they, they, they need more right. creativity on this roster, whether it comes from Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. It is an old way of thinking about the game when there were, Very less, old. When there were yeah. less possessions, you know, when it was more ISO ball, when it was a guy gets the ball and then that's the possession. You know, and so you really are divvying up possessions at that point between guys. But there's so much sharing of the basketball. This team is already built on transition, but it's going to be even more so if they add Scoot or if they add Brandon, because Brandon can pass in transition. So I think those are silly arguments, but they become I'll say this, though, they become less silly when you get to the playoffs. If you make a deep playoff run, that's when the concerns about who takes over possessions because possessions become so much more, each possession becomes more important and there are less possessions because the defense is tightened up. There's less transition opportunities, but, but here's my whole thing. I keep screaming this. I don't know if anyone's listening to me, but let's worry about that when the Hornets can get into a deep playoff run. They can't even get there. I would love for the Hornets to have a problem with too many guys wanting the basketball because it's not going to be a factor in the regular season. That would be a factor in a deep playoff run, which they can't even get out of the play in. That's why I'm saying with this roster construction stuff that these fans are, 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 are trying to get the Hornets to play like 4d chess with the roster construction. Well, what if you make an NBA finals? How is that going to work between these two guys? No, they can't even win a game of yeah. checkers. Let's win a game of checkers first. Well, and, and everybody points to the thing that is missing from the squads that don't get there. It's always something like teams need to be well faceted in so many different areas. So, yeah, you're right. You need to be taller in the postseason for sure. What are we talking about with the Boston Celtics and what is such a disadvantage for them? It's the lack of a true ball handler or point guard to run the offense when your wings aren't doing it. So that's something for Boston. Guess what we're doing with the Lakers? The same exact thing. We're doing the same exact conversation surrounding the Lakers. They need another ball handler. And so the next team, like Cleveland that comes in, yeah, they got bounced in the first round, but Cleveland is young, and at least you got there and had an excellent regular season. Three-guard lineups, also, there have been a couple of instances where you've seen a floor raiser from three-guard lineups. The Thunder did that when they had Dennis Schroeder on their squad, Chris Paul, and even SGA, I believe. Those were the three guards there, and a young SGA. Oklahoma City, they got to the postseason after Kevin Durant and after Russell Westbrook. It's like, wait, how did that happen? And then you go to the second guy that used it quite a bit, J. 
James Borrego was one where he was able to raise the floor. If you are a Borrego defender, that's one where, yeah, their offense looked pretty good when they went to a three-guard lineup, Devontae, Terry, and LaMelo, if I'm not mistaken, those three guys. So, yeah, man, it's okay to go get the most talented player if you believe that's Scoot, and if you believe it's Brandon. We're going to come around. We've done a lot of Scoot propaganda, (laughs) but we're come around because we want the best thing for the Hornets, and if they feel it's Brandon, we're going to have to buy in. It's not just okay to do that, to go after the best (laughs) player available. It is your franchise obligation when you have not won a playoff series in 21 years. In three presidential administrations, okay, you haven't won a playoff series. At some point, uh, you have to start prioritizing best player available and not get cute. Don't overthink this. But we've gotten off topic, I think, a little bit on this LaMelo anxiety. Why are people even entertaining this fact? And I think part of it that we haven't discussed yet is all of these other pundits and team fans pecking around and say and squawking in our ears saying, well, LaMelo's not staying anyway. He's going elsewhere. The first opportunity he gets, he's going somewhere else. And if the Hornets, especially if the Hornets don't win, it's you know, it's a guarantee if the Hornets don't win, he's going to LA or he's going to wherever. And I think that does over time, especially when it's not coupled with actual playoff success, that starts to wear on you as a fan. And you think, oh, yeah, I guess he is going somewhere else. So might as well take an opportunity here to get something of value. Like we're already thinking five steps ahead. And and that comes with the fact that the Hornets have not had playoff success. If they go and make, you know, win a playoff series next season, a lot of that talk starts to die down because then you can see the future. Right now, the future is smoky. It's you know, it, we don't know if the future exists for the Charlotte Hornets franchise. We don't even know if the front office exists for the Charlotte Hornets franchise. It's as mysterious as Scoot Henderson's workout. Well, it, and and by the way, you've seen a lot more. Look, I've seen plenty of Hornets anxiety, right? That seems to be more of your takeaway with all of this, the Hornets anxiety part, which it exists 100%. My bigger takeaway has been more of the same with national pundits, national publications, using the Charlotte Hornets as some dumping ground for whatever other teams can do to get to the next level, say, well, the Hornets will accept this trade. Let's just give them to the Hornets. That's what I see. So when the Boston Celtics are trying to figure out whether they can pair Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for the long term, they're like, well, hey, we can go get LaMelo. Let's just trade them. And it's not a bad trade, right? I, I don't want it to be like we're getting somebody that is so bad. It, despite the eight turnovers in the last game, yeah, he was an all-NBA player. That matters. That's significant. But it's all about what Boston can do, what these other teams can do. You might be focused on them. We got to focus on us. And what I'm doing is trying to figure out the best thing for the Hornets long term. I don't think it's trading LaMelo Ball by any means. And I would say the franchise has allowed themselves to become a dumping ground for national pundits. You know who's who's not a dumping ground for national pundits? The Denver Nuggets. They force the issue. They've they built they've built this roster. They've made savvy trades like going after Aaron Gordon. And now they find themselves one game away from winning a finals. If though if I could because I've sp- spoken very negatively on this show, and because I feel very strongly about the direction of this franchise and that I think it's going in the wrong direction and they're on the verge of a of a possible sell. So I think it's, you know, it's it's a, a good time to talk about that. But let me leave you with one positive. Parity does exist in the NBA all of a sudden. Uh, that whatever they're doing and the CBA rules uh, that are coming next offseason, not this coming offseason, but the next one, are going to make it even easier for teams like Charlotte to compete 
in the open market because of these other teams, um, you know, that have been traditionally the ones that scoop up all the talent and the rich keep getting richer. That's not going to happen anymore because the penalties are so severe. And so Milwaukee wins a championship. Denver possibly going to win a championship as soon as tonight. Like the, the possibility that it suddenly is not so crazy. All we had to lean on was the Dallas Mavericks. And they, they had a, a billionaire owner who was active and not afraid to go after stuff. But now all of a sudden we have these franchises that are like, oh, wait, you, I could see Charlotte doing something like that, but it has to start at the top and it has to start with not this small minded thinking and it, ha- and it has to be big thinking, big picture thinking. That's what I want to see from this franchise, whether it's this current iteration or some future iteration. Um, it's it's time to start thinking big. And it's time All to right. start showing us Scoot, showing yeah. us Brandon Miller, showing us anything. Just show us the video. Just show us the video and everything's fine. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen today. Make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown game to game covers every contest from across the league with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow game to game on Lockdown NBA. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Show me the scoot. 